You're listening to Solar Insiders, the fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, who provide innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of One Step Off The Grid, Renew Economy and The Driven, the electric vehicle focused website. And joining me as usual is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Nigel, how are you? Uh, Giles, I can't complain. Uh, life, uh, the sun is shining. Uh, uh, life is good. And, um, you know, we're um, halfway through another week. Well, not only halfway through another week, Nigel. Um, last week, solar provided 100% of South Australia's um, state <gasps> demand. And oh, I the know. And the International Energy Agency declared solar to be the cheapest electricity in history. I think we can all pack up and go home now. I think I, I think our job's done. I'm I'm with you, mate. And and the boss was. We had our AGM today as well at work, and the boss was kind of rattling off all these material milestone, milestones that have happened in the last year. I mean, what's happening in South Australia as well with you know control of distributed generation is also groundbreaking. It hasn't been done before at this level. It's there's actually some really cool stuff going on at the moment. It's, it's very exciting. Yeah, look, it's funny how the conversation's changed, actually. You go back about a year ago now, and people just sort of saying, controlling solar, no, bugger off, we're not going to have that. But I think there's a bit of a realisation now that um, it's kind of um, warranted and needed, and it doesn't necessarily be, wouldn't necessarily be as bad as um, some people would make out. In fact, there might actually be benefits. And um, even better, it's kind of encouraging the networks and the market operator to embrace solar. And that's that's kind of where the conversations actually changed. I think probably because when control was talked about 12 months ago, it was in the context of, you know, well, let's 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 control the rollout of, of rooftop solar because we don't like the look of it and it's kind of just, you know messing with our brains and the business models. Um, now they're sort of saying, look. Consumers want rooftop solar. They're going to want batteries. They're going to want EVs. Let's embrace it. But look, we just need to have these little bit of controls in there. But um, South Australia has gone through the hard yards of having it rushed upon them. But um, I think everyone's emerging kind of unscathed. And look, that 100% solar thing um, last week was really quite groundbreaking. It was like uh, about 80% rooftop mind solar. Mind-blowing. The rest of it, the rest mind, of it absolutely mind-blowing. Yes, I know. No, it was terrific. It was terrific. It was terrific. And um, and look, even 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 the Australian Energy Market Operator um celebrated it. In fact, uh, if people um um you know haven't had enough podcasts after this one, I do recommend they go and listen to the latest um or sorry the, the latest bar one the Australian uh, the Energy Insiders podcast with uh, Audrey Zivman, the Chief Executive of Australian Energy Market Operator, that was pretty interesting. And um... I, I even I listened to that one, and 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 it was it was really really interesting to hear, especially now Audrey's you know on her way into a new role, and so she's talking about kind of what what they've managed to achieve and what she's witnessed change. It's a great story. 
It is a great story. It's a great story. And look, even the International Energy Agency is finally recognising the um, the potential or actually the reality of solar. I mean, if you think about the IEA sort of formed back in the 1970s, really to defend the fossil fuel industry and the oil and gas markets after the big sort of um, oil crunch in the early 1970s. And it's always totally underplayed the prospect of solar. It's got these amazing yep. graphs. You go back yep. to 2010, 2011, even as recently as 2017, somehow they imagine the deployment of solar to be flat and the price falls to be sort of barely noticeable. But now they've actually realised, well, we were kind of wrong about that. Um, solar can be really, really big, particularly now that uh, we need to actually reach these climate targets. Uh, solar is going to be the king of the grid and it's the cheapest ever and it'll get cheaper. So bravo. Yeah, and finally in on fact- board. In, in, in fact, I think that the quote that I grabbed was the cheapest electricity in history, right? Yes. It yes. doesn't get any better than that from the IEA. <laughs> it, it is, yeah, it really made for quite an exciting week hearing stuff like that and seeing, you know, over 100% of generation being produced by solar in SA and, you know, controls starting to roll out that enable, you know, really, really intelligent controls of solar, which enables more solar to go on the grid because it's not just being you know, controlled with a knife switch that they brought from the steam age with them. But instead, they're actually, we're catching up. It's happening. And we're the cheapest electricity in history. Thank you, IEA. Yeah. And look, if, um, another piece of reading I'd recommend actually is Mark Byrne from the Total Environment Centre. He's written a really nice piece today called uh, No Man is an Island, Even with Standalone Power Systems. And it's a really interesting look at to what people are thinking about in terms of the mixture of rooftop solar and storage and all these sort of controls. People actually getting paid not just to reduce demand, but also getting a reward for being islanders. Like um, all of a sudden you'd have the battery storage and the and and the market operator might cut you off um, mm-hmm. for system security measures, or you might um, get paid to have your EV available to feed back into the grid. A really completely different way of looking at things. And um, I think it's pretty exciting. And I think for the rooftop solar industry out there, it's kind of an affirmation that um, there's going to be even more rooftop solar. And um, it's going to be combined with a whole bunch of different things. And just, I'm, I'm kind of on a roll, Nigel. Um, one of our other sponsors, <laughs> um, Sunwids, came out. Um, Sunwids, uh, Warwick Johnson from Sunwids came out um, with some interesting forecasts this year. And oh, he was he? talking. Yeah, no, it was interesting um, this week, sorry. Because we already know that rooftop solar is going to beat last year. Well, we're already ahead mm. after, after the end mm. of September. We'll possibly get to three gigawatts for 2020. And he oh, reckons Mark. that may even grow even further in 2021. But this time, drag along battery storage and EVs because I think some of the networks and some of the retailers are starting to get serious about this because they kind of all know that's where the future is. And so they're starting to roll out deals and encourage people to take them up. So I think Warwick's um, pretty spot on with that. Whether that will actually be the case, I don't know. It's it's really interesting, actually, because when I years ago when I used to do forecasting work with Warwick, one of the things that we used to often come up against him when we were looking forward in five-year chunks, typically, we used to say, oh, geez, well, you know, clearly, you know, we're not going to see more than this percentage of growth here, or we're not going to see the market get to more than 100% penetration because there are all these barriers in the way, right? But some of those barriers are starting to fall. Um, we're already hearing rumours, and we've got a great interview coming up, Segway, um, about what's going on on the in the ground, on the ground in South Australia. But you know, what South Australia's rules effectively 
allow the potential for is for solar system sizes to be larger. There are people who will buy larger solar systems, but they're constrained by the network at the moment. If they can put smart controls on them, there's a chance that they won't be constrained. And so that will allow growth where we, like I was saying, with, with, with Warwick, we used to go, oh, there's going to be constraints. Well, some of those constraints are now starting to actually start to move away. So, um, yeah, very cool. Very cool. Well, um, Giles finds his mute button again. There you go. I, was... I found it. <laughs> <laughs> I found it. No, I was the, just going to say, other... yeah, flexible, flexible exports. I was, I was trying to say why the mute button was on. That's but um, look, tell us about the good news about Victoria, because um, um, I understand they can actually now go out and do their stuff. That's right. Uh, fabulous news for every solar business in Victoria who has really you know struggled over the last few months of course their business has effectively been been shut down um, as of um, I forget the exact date and time and I haven't got that in my notes but I think it was a day or two ago uh, Victorian solar is back um, metropolitan um, solar installers are now able to install, which they couldn't do before. There are some conditions. Um, they predominantly need to be outdoors. Uh, they can't be inside the home. They need to obviously have COVID plans in place, all those kinds of things. Face coverings must be must be worn. Um, but the great news is that, you know, the, the switch has been turned on. Solar installers can get back out there. Of course, regional Victoria uh, is it remains in the same state that with the COVID safe plan, they can continue. And there's been quite a lot of work happening in regional um, Victoria already with people doing the right thing. But uh, awesome to see. You know, Victoria is such a, a really crucial part of the Australian solar market. It's quite material. And, um, of course, there's a lot of businesses based down there who have really battled. So, so wonderful and um, wonderful to see that coming back to life. While Giles is finding the mute button again. <laughs> I'll throw in one little thing just to wrap it up, this kind of whole intro piece, Giles, is that one of the revelations that we've had is that solar business is now pretty much fully digital, right? You can sell to a customer via a Zoom or a Google Meetup. You can meet with your installers on site via a lot of Facebook feed. You can meet with your um, product suppliers on webinars um, uh, people are much more trusting and willing to accept digital quotations and and stuff on websites. So you know, one of the uh, one of the plus sides, and I've talked to a number of peers about this recently, is that um, you know in, our industry has become fully digital, and the market has accepted it, customers have accepted it, and that's actually bringing about now some remarkable changes around efficiency and the opportunities to to continue to drive costs down and you know be more efficient with everything that we do so you know that was kind of the the only real plus side i can think of of covid is that um you know we've seen a digital transformation and it is well and truly in place in solar so that's that's kind of cool that's fantastic. And this time I didn't press the mute button, so you've probably been hearing birds cheeping in the background. So um, I don't know whether that's a benefit or not. I'll probably get in trouble with the producer. But um, anyway, hey, look, before we go off to the interview, I just wanted to make one little mention. Um, the Australian Energy Market Operator has come out with its latest quarterly energy dynamics, and it's got a couple of interesting things as applied, as applies to solar in specifically. One, it, the fact that it's actually a new record um, op new record lows for operational demand 
have been reached were, or were reached in the September quarter in uh, South Australia and Victoria and Western Australia. Um, all the result of uh, rooftop solar. In fact, those records have actually been broken multiple times since then in October. Um, rooftop solar contributed to most of the reduction in overall demand from the grid. Um, the other big impact was COVID, but rooftop solar was the biggest one. The biggest loser out of that is coal and gas, uh, which is good. And yep. um, they're, losers. they're losers. They're losers. And God, look, I've just my mate, my brain has failed me. There was there was one other thing. Oh no, that's right. Yes, solar actually run into a little bit of a problem in South Australia in the month of September. In the month of September, get this: the average um, the average price for the output of large scale solar farms and there's three big solar farms in South Australia was minus ten dollars a megawatt hour. Yep. So yep. Um, that that was one of the we, things the boss mentioned in the AGM today was that was one of the other records we've hit is record low wholesale energy prices, mostly driven by solar. That's the other milestone we've had just in the last few weeks. Yeah, well, by solar and by wind also. No, it's really interesting. Anyway, look, um, Nigel, can you introduce our special guest for this week? Oh, I'd be delighted to. Um, I, I, Eddie May is someone a lot of listeners would be uh, familiar with, I'm sure. Um, he's a, a wonderful, wonderful advocate for the industry, South Australian-based. Eddie and I were chatting the other day about, you know, what's it like on the ground? How are customers reacting to these changes? What's your business had to go through? And so uh, Eddie very kindly joined me for an interview the other day and take a listen to what he had to say. Well, here we are. I'm uh, on the phone to a real person. Uh, it, it strikes me from time to time that the best thing that we can do on this show is actually talk to people who are in right at the coalface, so to speak, right on the cutting edge, dealing with issues. And I was chatting with uh, a well-respected uh, industry um, well, how am I going to describe you, Eddie? I saw you actually as listed as co-founder of NRG, and NRG described as the people who only do solar. Uh, so that's you, the people who only do solar. Welcome. Thanks, uh, Nigel. Um, well, yeah, that is what we do. We uh, we only do solar. And in actual fact, it's funny because we kind of uh, started thinking along these lines and saying that about our business when we noticed you know, all sorts of businesses that aren't in the business of doing solar, just all of a sudden popping up and adding it to the other 10 things that they do. Um, and, you know, quite often you end up seeing installs on crap solar as, as people dabble around. So, you know, we started to take the mantra that, well, all we do is solar. I love it. I love it. It's it's uh, it's very clean and simple, and it's a different angle that I haven't seen for a while. So good on you. For those listeners who don't know, uh, NRG Solar is a solar company down in Adelaide. Um, Eddie's been around for many many years, and um, in fact, I, I chat with Eddie quite a lot. Not just about you know um, stuff that we like chatting about, but actually a lot of their conversations are about how to maintain quality. I know Eddie does a huge amount of work advocating for safety and quality around the industry. He also spends an enormous amount of time talking to policymakers. And so Eddie and I have been chewing the fat quite a lot lately because he's in South Australia. 
And, uh, of course, we know there's been a lot of change down there, and he and I were chatting about that the other day, and that's why I've invited him on, because he's dealing with this on a day-to-day level. Regulatory change is almost inevitably painful, and often it's businesses, small businesses and medium-sized businesses, you get left to pick up the pieces of unintended consequences or rushed decisions. Uh, We were chatting about this the other day, and I said to Eddie, Eddie, come on the show and tell me what it's like on the ground, actually on the ground, talking to real customers, installing real solar and um you know what's going on so eddie you're down in south australia we've talked about Mm -hmm. the scheme generally it's introduced some rules and regulations Mm um why don't we start with a quick background from from your perspective you're a solar company how do you describe the new regs and programs you know what's the background yeah okay well the background um it's happened really quickly, Nige. So it started actually in May 2020, right? So at less than six months ago, AEMO put out a document, um, 94 pages. And in amongst that, they basically were talking about the Energy Connect, which is the interconnector connecting South Australia to New South Wales, um, an interconnector that um, honestly should have been built and, uh, and been done by now. Right, and it had been it's been held right. off and put off and misquoted and so on. So, effectively, AEMO was saying that if Energy Connect does not proceed, South Australia has to take some further measures. And the reason why is because we're we've done a great job, tradi- you know, transitioning you know through to renewables. That there are times when we've got surplus renewables in our grid. And of course, at the moment, they end up spilling through the Victorian interconnector. But as you can imagine, if that interconnector fails, we've got too much power and we can't we can't soak it up, and that causes um, big problems for the grid, right? Right. So, so that's that's the background. That's why they're worried that there's going to be too much solar, and South Australia's still going gangbusters in solar. It's been going mm-hmm. strong right through COVID. So mm-hmm. that's that's what's motivated them. It's AEMO and the regulatory environment, right? Yeah, exactly. And 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 the and the true possibility. That, I mean, South Australia actually was islanded in January and February this year for two for two weeks, right? So um, that's because that interconnector to Victoria had had failed, and it was um, and since been upgraded. But the point of the story is during that time of being islanded, we were quite vulnerable to this problem happening, right? So mm-hmm. so effectively, AEMO was trying to get our government to get our act together with um, sorting out the interconnector. Unfortunately, our government took that to mean if I don't do anything drastic by September 2020 this year, that we would have to put a moratorium on on new solar, which, which wasn't exactly the intention of AEMO, but that's how our government took it. And effectively... Um, the next month, they made an announcement of five proposed changes. So I'll quickly touch on the five, but one of them is more important than the rest. But the first one was remote disconnect. And effectively, that's where um, the government can, or, or the energy regulator really, can intervene and turn off a solar system. So that's, that's change number one. Change number two is remote export limiting. All right. And that's the scenario where, um, uh, you know, right now we're kind of five kilowatts per phase as an export limit in South Australia. But they're talking about the scenario where there is no set export limit, but it gets published every day. 
Um, so you might be no export limit, you know, like zero export on, on Monday. Um, Tuesday, you can export the full 10 kilowatts of your solar system. So, so that was the second change. Got it. Got it, got the, it, got it, got it. The third one was called low voltage ride through. And effectively, that um, is this is kind of change on the inverter manufacturer's side to allow inverters to stay on during extreme low voltage. Um, the benefit being is that if you've had an outage, a large outage, while you're trying to settle the grid, the grid can have like very momentary lapses of extreme low voltage. So what they didn't want is um, inverters coming on and then turning off and then coming on and turning off while they're trying to levelize the grid. So that one made sense. And um, the fourth one was to do with smart meters becoming smarter. And the last one, which was which I personally think is the most interesting one, but got the least amount of effort, which was the proposed tariff changes. Um, so just touch on that for a minute. Obviously, proposed tariff changes, you know, what we want to do is potentially be able to give away some very cheap power in the middle of the day. Um, and obviously, if you did that, you would be able to soak up a lot of the solar um, and most likely wouldn't put yourself in the problem where you would need remote disconnection of solar or remote export um, limiting, right? Right, right. So all of this really says the background behind the new regs is we need smarter grids. Oh, 100%. That's exactly what you need. And and we need not only a smarter grid, but a smarter retail plan and an offering to a customer that right. kind of um, allows us to, you know, take advantage of some really cheap power um, while we've got a surplus in the grid. But, you know, if you pass that cheap power on to the end user, naturally they will learn to be smarter about the way they use their power um, and will help levelize the grid, right? So right. effectively- There's benefits. Those There's benefits everywhere. Benefits everywhere. And those five changes that I've just discussed were, were basically put out for consultation and closed on the 10th of July. Um, there were 55 respondents um, to the consultation, mm. and I've read all 55, and wow. um, not, not one single respondent agreed with the proposed changes. Um, you know, like, for example, <laughs> even the energy regulator, the AER, said that there's no need to progress all four policies, um, that they, they address similar issues, um, and we understand that stakeholders showed little support. Um, you know, AGL said that, um, you know, they would rather that SA Power Networks manage this than agents, and the CEC said that they were urging the government to undertake, uh, you know, um, analysis and um, they thought that the uh, the cost to the the, the customers could uh, is, is being grossly underestimated and the cost to the industry um, you know we provided feedback origin said that the 2020 uh, September 2020 date isn't reasonable um, and I think I interestingly it. SA power networks described the I guess the feedback the best. All right, so I might just read a little snippet of their feedback because it really describes it so well. And what it said was, the issues described in the AEMO report are here and now. 
They're risks that will need to be addressed by September 20. But none of the measures being consulted will make a material difference to this. And hence the rush to prescribe solutions is difficult to justify. And the implementation timeframe of twenty of September 2020, you know, risk the adoption of rushed reforms that may not longer may not serve long-term interests of, of customers, right? And I'll explain why that is, because the government is saying we have to sort this problem out by the end of the year. But if you think about it, Nige, if you make every new customer comply from the 28th of September, by the time the end of the year comes along, probably less than 1% of your entire grid complies, right? Because everybody else is on old standards. So so what actual it difference? Doesn't make a mater- it doesn't, doesn't make a material difference, does it? <laughs> no material difference, not for years to come. And by the time, year, and this was always a stopgap measure because remote export limiting is probably the real aim, which was already in the progress for, you know, to happen by, by the end of the year. So, so kind of that's the background behind the whole scenario. And... Um, effectively, that all got brought to a head on the 12th of August um, when uh, we had a we had a meeting with the energy minister to, to give feedback. But actually, the day before that meeting was due to arrive, the minister's office already published the changes, and um, they were they were published and done by the 11th of August. And we had until the 28th of September to comply, and. Uh, you know, that's when it really did shake the industry up here because we had, what what's that, like five, six weeks? You know, we had already sold the jobs that were being booked in at that time. Um, yeah. You know, people were worried about their stock. Will my inverters comply? What's an agent? Yeah. How's this going to yeah. work? Um, yeah. And you, you, you were in the thick of it, if you remember. I remember talking to you <laughs> through this whole process, right? Lots yeah. of questions and no one had answers, right? That's right, and there's still unanswered questions now. I'm conscious of time, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you back because excellent context and really really interesting to know some of the feedback from SAPN and others, and you know almost universally, everyone's saying, yeah, sure, we've been calling for a smarter grid forever. We've been calling for the ability to put more solar on more intelligently forever, but we don't need this jam down our throat. But they did. We're mm-hmm. here. Uh, we're on the solar coaster again, and you and I were sort of joking about, you know, getting the sick bag out again um, because we're over the top and flying down the hill of this new territory. Um, so let's let's briefly, and we've got to keep it really tight, Eddie. What's the impact on the ground? How are you dealing with this? Is what what a customer what are, what are customers saying about this when you go in? You, you've you've got technical issues to deal with you've got product issues to deal with you've got sales staff to have to learn how to new have a new discussion with customers what's the what's the impact well you know the first piece of impact is just stress right so customers you know i don't think you just get out of bed one day never ever thinking about buying a solar system and then you go out and buy one it's not that much of an impulse buy right so I think anybody that's been thinking about solar now has all this confusion about what they've been reading, what they've been seeing, what they've been hearing. So that causes them stress. And the most obvious thing is what they think is the government's going to turn off my power because there's been no other clear messaging around it. So we've been doing a lot of training. We've been doing videos, staff training, customer 
I guess, information, um, you know, to basically spell out that, you know, overall, we think this is a good thing for the grid and it'll be a good thing for the state and everybody should get on board and do their part. And it's not as scary as what, what, what you think it could be. So lots of stress, lots of work, but, you know, you're right, Nigel, we're on the solar coaster and, and, and we'll start to rise up and, and, and it'll be fine again, like it always is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You would, I mean, the real world impact of this, though, and you were talking about this the other day, mate, is that um, uh, solar leads, solar inquiries have actually dried up a little bit. They've, they've slowed down a little bit. And this is not just coming from you. This is actually coming from a number of uh, people and, and other businesses and key metrics. And, and when you and I were chatting about this the other day, it was that classic scenario, and we've seen this time and time and time again, where if customers get confused or nervous or or, or stressed, as you put it, um, what do they do? They go, oh, I might just put that decision off for a while. I don't need the aggravation, right? Is, is that what's happening? 100%. I mean, we've already come, we've battled our way through COVID, you know, and, uh, you know, we've got back to sort of some decent numbers for a few weeks, and then all of a sudden this hits, and you're 100% right, people are sitting on their hands. So two things that have happened. First, leads have got quieter, and that, that, that quieter, and that is through, I've spoken to a number of, of solar companies, as well as the guys at Solar Quotes, who are a very good barometer for, for interest in, in South Australia, and that certainly is quieter. And then the second thing is that the people who we are seeing you know, we're having to spend a lot more time with and they're, and they're extra nervous as well. So they're taking longer to make up a decision. So a double whammy for installation numbers, um, wow. particularly in the and quarter that's traditionally the busiest quarter of the year for solar, right? Right. And and that was the other thing that you and I were talking about was, you know, this, this again, and it's always unintended consequences when it comes to policy uh, changes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, I, I, uh, you and, and actually a couple of other people mentioned to me that this has already created an artificial boom to at least some degree, because what we know is happening is some installers rush like mad to get as much solar as they could installed before the 28th so that they could do it outside the requirements of this scheme and there were all sorts of typical shenanigans that you hear of on the <laughs> grapevine around what people did to actually get solar connections booked in so they could avoid having to comply but what that has the effect of firstly you've got leads and customers willingness to actually go ahead being artificially shaped by this program but now you've actually got the uptake of solar be it bringing the market forward or, or slowing sales down or slowing installs down, um, uh, all being driven by this program, right? Oh, exactly right. That's it. So, yeah, it's, it's 100%. We'll see, if you look at the connection numbers, you'll see a spike leading up to the 28th of September. If you look at the OTR certificates, you know, lodged ECOCs, there'll be a spike. Um but then the difficulty is for a lot of the guys out there, they didn't anticipate how quiet it was going to be afterwards. So they li literally could have installers sitting on their hands doing not too much over the next few weeks if things don't turn around. Right, right. Jeez. And, of course, I mean, uh, I know you're, you're, in fact, I think you are probably the most engaged person on this issue that I know, Eddie, the, the conversations that we've had almost on a daily, sometimes multiple daily conversations on mm -hmm. this have yep. been have been outstanding as we've both tried to navigate our way through, right? We're trying to deliver a, a, a product solution. You're trying to work out what to do with your customers and how do you get your salespeople up to, up to speed. And at the same time, you've got a business to run and you've got uh, competitors to compete against and all those kinds of 
thing. So, you know, uh, what's the what's the impact been on your business? What has this, you know, overall? Yeah. Is this yeah, a good yeah. thing? Is it a bad thing? No, nah, look, overall, it's not a it's not a good thing, right? And it could, I guess, the difficulty is it could have been a good thing, you know, with the right engagement. This could have been a great thing. Um, it could have really yeah. got people inspired to be part of transitioning the state to a greater position where the world is looking at us, going, "Have a look at SA, look at the leaders in solar." But at the moment, yeah. it's actually, you know, not been like that at all. So, you know, we're, we're we're we've got quite a bit of work in our pipeline. We're we're quite lucky in that regard. So we're just hoping that um, you know leads turn around over the next few weeks. I mean. I always, I'm an optimistic sort of person. Future is always bright and solar as far as I'm concerned. And the solar, you know, <laughs> the solar coaster has got to get to the top to keep the solar coaster moving, doesn't it? So, it, Well, it I just think, keeps yeah. going round and round, Eddie, you know, uh, yeah. and up and down. It doesn't, it doesn't stop. So, you know, that's the only good news. So listen, I'm, I'm, I'm really conscious that we've got to, got to keep it fairly tight. But um, so, you know, the long and the short of it is great idea executed in a rush we won't even go into why um you know it's caused changes in market demand it's caused real material costs to business but it is what it is what what does the future look like now eddie where where is this is it just oh it's like this ugly phase that we've got to go through yet again as we hurtle uh sick bags in hand down the down the the steep side of the solar coaster or, or are we heading for you know uh, a a bend that could throw us off here you know what's the future look like i think the future in sa looks great to be honest like it, we didn't probably need this but fast forward 12 months i think we would have been we're in a we're actually quite lucky right because We've got a good fluctuation between um, wholesale power prices in SA. And when you have that, it means the opportunity for battery storage to play a part in VPPs and new retail offerings and savings, not just from self-consumption, but from earning, from trading the grid, um, really starts to show how a future home can look as an energy provider like a, a and trader in South Australia and and I think we're in a great position to leverage that in upcoming years we're just on a hurdle right now that uh, that we're going to have to deal with for the next six months but I think I think moving forward I still think the future's super bright in SA. Oh, beautiful. Sometimes I wish I was a cartoonist. I'm not uh, because I would just draw a picture of a coal mine with a canary in a cage with your face on it because <laughs> really, because really, South Australia is the canary in the coal mine, right? And you're, you're, you're right in the thick of it, mate. So, you know, uh, stay on your perch. Keep going. Good on you. I've, I've, I've heard you sounding frustrated and tired and, you know, working long days. And I'm, and I'm sure a lot of your industry peers are out there too. I wanted to thank you, Eddie, for coming on. I wanted to thank you for all the hard work you've done for those in the industry. If you haven't slapped this man on the back and thanked him, he has been working tirelessly to um, try and keep some rationality in this debate. Um, and, mate, I really appreciate your time. You've probably got more applications to process, so I better not keep you too much longer. But thanks heaps, mate. No problems, mate. Great. For, thanks for having me on.
See you, Nigel. So there you go. Um, Eddie May from NRG Solar down in Adelaide giving uh, us a bit of insight into what, to, what it's like to actually, you know, survive on the solar coaster. And, you know, we just couldn't, We I think we mentioned solar coaster about 50 times because, you know, what's happened in South Australia um, uh, has resulted in, you know, booms and busts already. Well, not maybe busts, but certainly collapses in, in, in uh, interest, in demand, because consumers are freaked out by it all and they're nervous. And so they're kind of just sitting on their hands again. So it's amazing how subtle the market is, Giles, and um, yeah. you know, how these well, you've got, you've, you've programs influence you got to hand it to people like um, Eddie May and a bunch of other people well, and, and all the others out there just sort of, you know, getting through this. Um, it's been pretty exhilarating at times and bloody frustrating at other times. But um, I yeah. think now that having got through this, I think that's um, um, that's that, that's pretty good. And look, just, just fascinating as always just to hear about, you know, how people actually sort of run their business and... Um, and yeah. um, probably comfort and great insight to um, many other people who find themselves in similar situations or close variations thereof. Um, here, here. Yeah. There are many hundreds of businesses, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of solar businesses in South Australia, um, large, small, um, you know, all sorts of businesses. And um, yeah, it's really, really tough. And uh, so, yeah, thanks. I really, it's great that Eddie, you know, shared a bit of his, um, mm. a bit of his experiences with us. Now, you have got a whole lineup of our special little segment on crap solar, um, the things not to do in the solar industry. Um, I don't oh know whether goodness. we can get, I don't think we can get through all six of them, Nigel, but why don't you pick the three best? The three best. Okay. Okay. Or the, oh, or the three worst. Oh, well. Uh, okay. So let's go to Western New South Wales because Western New South Wales has come up on the last three episodes. We talked about Cooter, uh, Cooter Mundra, where there was a whole bunch of door knocking going on and all sorts of spurious things and people getting solar systems without actually asking for them. Uh, lo and behold, uh, they've, uh, they followed into nearby Forbes in the Grenfell area. Um, so there's clearly a door knocking thing going on in the, the the western part of New South Wales. I urge everyone in the western part of New South Wales to think very, very carefully about what they're signing up for and so forth. There's story after story after story. There's three towns that have been targeted so far. Clearly, this truckload of, bless them, backpackers probably trying to just make a buck and have fun in Australia or something. I don't know what the deal is, but um, you know, there's some um, there's some stuff to be aware of there. Um, there's also, um, you know, a, a, a myriad of other bits and pieces that we're seeing, particularly from crap solar about, you know, solar systems that aren't connected, so they don't actually generate any power, um, uh, horrendously installed solar, um, solar that overhangs the roof, which is just a disaster waiting to happen. So there's all sorts of, of examples of, unfortunately, um, still some pretty crappy install stuff going on. Um, interesting to note, though, that um, there has been a breach of the Australian consumer law that has been processed in court now. So in Perth Magistrates Court, uh, a week or so back, a uh, company uh, pleaded guilty to all charges associated with eight breaches of the Australian consumer law for publishing false and misleading testimonials. Many of them were actually just ripped off um, um, quality sites and uh, and good guys like Finn Peacock's site, for example. I know some of his quotes were ripped off and just placed on this site. So great to see prosecutions happening, happening and, um, you know, solar companies being held to account to do the right thing. So, you know, that's good news. 
It is good news. Look, I had the mute button on again before when I wanted to intervene in the last story about the um, door knockers over in Western New South Wales. Um, uh, These just, mute just, buttons working for me really well, you know. I, can just I know, I know. It's just ab- absolutely. Well, I'm going to hold you up now. Um, uh, just a reminder that if anyone actually comes to your door trying to sell solar panels or rings you up over the phone trying to sell solar panels, then the answer is probably going to be no or should be no. Yeah. But it does remind yeah. me of when I was a teenager um, over in Perth and um, – one of my good friends was doing the same thing, but he was actually selling art door to door. And God, he came up with funny stories. Um, what a horrible Ooh. job actually doing that thing. But he actually he actually ended up heading one of um, Australia's leading financial regulatory bodies. Um, I won't reveal his name because that would be breaching Ooh. faith and trust. But the, it, it just Ooh. goes to show that there's redemption for us all at some point down the track. But anyway... Back into crap solar. Well, yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. And, you know, you know, a shout out to all the door knockers. They're trying to make a way to earn an honest living. And, you know, I don't think it's uh, really their fault. And uh, I know from my favourite recent podcast that Silvio Berlusconi, former Prime Minister of Italy, was a vacuum cleaner door-to-door salesman for a while. So, you know, you never, you never know where you'll get with door-to-door sales. I think There's that probably skills. explains everything. <laughs> There's some skills that you can learn about selling, that's for sure. Oh, dear. Oh, what was the name of the parties that he was holding? Anyway, we won't go there. Um, bunga Nigel, Bunga. Bunga Bunga. There you go. There you go. Do we have any more? Do you, do you want to run through the other crap solar very quickly, or do you want to go straight on to the EV? And Why don't we jump into electric motorcycles, Giles? Because no, a, no, no, really no, cool we're not, and- no, we're not going to. We can hear a message from our sponsors first. Planergy is an Australian-founded enterprise providing innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Planergy's innovative approach and engineering expertise gives them a unique edge to create the right base framework for all solar applications. Their range of high-quality products and services include PV mounting, ground mounting products and solutions for residential, commercial and utility-scale projects. Visit planergy.com.au and find the right framework for your solar application. And we'd, of course, like to thank all our sponsors, uh, Solar Analytics, SunWiz and Clinergy for their ongoing support of this wonderful program, even if we do say so ourselves. Nigel, Mm. electric vehicle, a scoop. You have a scoop. Well, there's stuff going on, man. There's stuff going on in electric motorcycles and, you know, you're hearing it here first. There's a bunch of things. I've got a quick story. I promise it'll be quick. Firstly... Harley recall. So Harley Davidson, as, as listeners would know, I test rode the live wire uh, courtesy of an invite that came to Renew Economy, uh, which I quickly snabbled and went and had a day riding on the live wire. Fabulous, wonderful, awesome, great bike. Um, but they have had a recall. Um, there's a firmware glitch that's causing some breakdowns. And, you know, frankly, um, this is kind of a really interesting story in the world of electric motorcycles because, firstly, what you've got is a major brand, major manufacturer moving very, very fast to say, we've got a problem, we're going to fix it, recall the bikes, we'll patch it up, it's a firmware issue, we can solve it. So that's really, really cool in itself because it shows this maturity in the electric motorcycle industry that frankly we've had lacking for a little while. So that's really, really nice and I'm sure they'll get over the glitch. Um Virtually every electric motorcycle that's in the market and and available today has had glitches of some sort or another. You know, you you, you hear about them, so that's really really cool. Um, secondly, there's actually been some progress on my zero, Giles, and you know, I've sort of quietly not talked about my zero and the fact that it's been broken for eighteen months ish now. Now, part of that is my fault because you know, 
I won't go to the reasons why, uh, but I, yeah, and part of it, I, I sort of throw a bit of responsibility back back on zero. But there's been progress. We've had parts replaced. We've eliminated things. The bike has been dialed up remotely. They've they've determined that other things are wrong, and there are more things on the way. So my zero will live again. Lastly, as Hooray. a result of that, <laughs> I'm so excited to ride. Oh my god! Anyway, the other thing that has come up around this is talking to the guys up at El Mofo, wonderful guys at Brett Sutherland and his team who were desperately trying to get my bike going for me. They've introduced me to a bunch of other people and I've been sort of Googling around and watching the forums. And Giles, we do have a scoop because you know what? Australia has become a hub for electric motorcycle innovators. There is shit going on in this country that isn't going on anywhere else in the world. First, we've got El Mofo. At the moment, someone mentioned they drop in there, dropped in there the other day. He had, you know, 12 different electric motorcycles there in various different stages of repair, modification, hotting up, various other things. There's about 10 electric cars he's got there. He's, he's doing all sorts of very, very cool stuff. So El Mofo really at the cutting edge. Secondly, Savage Electric Motorcycles. Now, 5, 10, 15 episodes ago, I did an interview with the founder and owner of Savage Electric Motorcycles, Victorian-based company, who were determined to release their own custom electric motorcycle. It's kind of along the lines of a cafe racer style thing, pretty cool looking bike. They are about to launch and they have pre-sold a number of their hand-built very limited edition electric motorcycles coming out of Melbourne. Sorry, I'm just going to push the door shut. It's, it's amazing story. And the launch is coming up. I think it's the 14th of November, online launch and opportunity. I've got some merch already um, sitting here in my Savage uh, uh, hoodie. Um, lo and behold, we've also got Evoke, who I've been chatting to behind the scenes. There's some guys who are importing the Chinese-made Evoke electric motorcycles, but the guys in Australia are developing them for the market. They're solving problems to make them work in the market. So Evoke are here. Uh, lo and behold, I had a most amazing conversation with another Newcastle guy with a lovely, simple company called Ed Motorcycles. What he is, is an electric motorcycle constructor startup based in uh, Newcastle. Um, he's working with some of the great startup um, sort of renewable energy and, and EV sort of um, uh, uh, supporters um, uh, in Australia. He has built one of the coolest looking electric motorbikes you can see on the market it's sort of street scrambler style for the or, or, or flat tracker style for the motorcycle aficionados out there currently he's using a drivetrain out of a zero motorcycle and putting it into this glorious thing i just want you to bring that bike to me uh mate so that i can have a ride on it i know a couple of people who've ridden it and just went it's insane it's beautiful and and that's what you want to see is bikes that just get emotion running for people so they go yeah i'll buy one give me one and then lo and behold i found another company called eon ion who are also setting themselves up as an electric motorcycle manufacturer in australia they're out seeking feedback on various um concept designs and various other things that i saw on social media the other day so you know one two three four five companies in australia giles doing some of the coolest shit you'll see in electric motorcycles right here in our backyard. Please, everyone, go and support these guys. Buy an electric motorcycle today. 
Fantastic. Take a breath, Nigel. Um, no, but that's 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 um, that, that's um, no, that's great news. We'll have to get you to interview one of these guys from Mofo or some of the other ones um, for our uh, Driven podcast, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Great idea. Maybe. Great idea. Do you know idea. what? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it live now. Why don't we get all of the electric motorcycle manufacturers, constructors, innovators, enthusiasts? Why don't we get them all? on a webinar together, Giles, or something. We've got to get these people together because they're all out there doing their own thing. We should get them together. Let's have a think about that one, Nigel. Let's have a look. We'll get, we'll get one or five, I don't know. But look, that's a good idea. Harley Davidson could sponsor it. Come on. You you, you put in a sponsor, we'll do it. <laughs> um, Nigel, I think that's a bit of a wrap for today because um, we, um, we had the interview and everything. So um, good one. And um, good one. We're going to be. We are actually going to be planning a uh, bit of a webinar further down the track towards the end of the year. So um, stay tuned for that. Um, do check out our Energy Insiders podcast. Do che- check out the Driven podcast. Do check out some of those stories that um, we've got um, published in the last couple of days, particularly Mark Burns ones and the latest ones about the uh, the solar impact in the September quarter from the AEMO data. And uh, Nigel, we'll be back in a fortnight. Look forward to it. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's new partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. Run your business at maximum velocity with pro setup, training and assistance. Visit sunwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.